Welcome to Ministry for Dummies, a Community of Christ podcast hosted by the Community of Christ Southern USA Mission Field. All are welcomed here, and the stories and opinions that are shared here are part of our story and do not necessarily reflect on the official position of the Community of Christ. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome everyone to another uh, wonderful episode of Ministry for Dummies. Uh, This week, we have a very special guest, uh, all the way from Independence, Missouri, uh, the chosen one himself, (laughs) Apostle David (laughs) Nee. Oh, gosh. You're much too kind. (laughs) Good to be with you, Jacob and Berto. Um, Looking forward to a a conversation today. I would certainly set the bar at conversation and nothing higher, so I'm glad we're coming in with reasonable (laughs) expectations. Yes. Oh my gosh. We're so excited to have Dave on um, as our first special guest for Ministry for Dummies. Um, You know, and yeah, we're just excited for our conversation. Um, So before we get into our questions and bombarding Dave with all of them, we always open with a little bit of small talk, kind of check in of how our lives are going. Um, So, you know, I'll open up the floor. Uh, Things are going well. It is fall time here in New Mexico, which means you can wear a polo shirt uh, and be hot all day, but then have a little bit of fall in the morning in the summer. So I love it. I think it's great time. Um, But like many uh, ministers in the community of Christ, we are um, feverishly preparing for a mission center conference uh, and trying to get all of the things printed in types. Um, and this is the time of the year where I feel really bad and want to plant like a thousand trees because of all the paper that we're killing and going through. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I'm going. So Jacob, what's going on with you? Uh, we don't have seasons in Houston, actually. Um, we just have hot and bearable. Uh, so we're in beginning to get bearable season in Houston. So it's in like the low 90s. Um, it's so funny, man. Like coming from Pittsburgh, like 90s is the peak of summer. Like it is the peak of summer in Pittsburgh. And now I legitimately was standing outside talking to one of my neighbors today while I was walking my dog and said, it feels really nice out today. And then I, it's, it's my perspective has totally changed. It's, it's incredible. It is funny what a little bit of time away from where we are, where we're from, because Jacob and I are kind, kind of Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, Missouri kind of has similar weather, but Missouri's hotter than Pittsburgh is. I mean, Missouri's hotter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, um, winters, I think we're about, yeah, the they're same, about the same, a little less yeah, windy, now, but about the same. I mean, if it drops below 40 here, oh, I'm, I'm freezing. I'm jumping on, you know, getting the jackets on. Yeah. All that you're, stuff. You've gone soft. Dave, how are you doing? I know you just had a couple of weeks of meetings and independence, you know. Yeah, or... we, we certainly did have a couple of weeks of independence. And actually, I live in Colorado, which is where I am right now. And uh, it's a, just another beautiful day in the Denver, Colorado area. What can I say? Blue skies, 75 degrees, low humidity. Um, it's pretty nice. Well, it's been great talking here. to you, Dave. Um, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, awesome. I wish. Well, great. Well, listeners, as we said, uh, we have Dave Nee on and we have a couple questions that we wanted to ask him, uh, about his role in the church and the work that he does. So just kind of starting off from the beginning, Dave, tell us about yourself. Who are you? And, um, what do you do? Well, um, as I mentioned, I live in Colorado and uh, have been a full-time minister in Community of Christ for over 27 years. 
uh, married to Pam Bruner, who grew up in many areas of the Midwest. So I'm familiar with her families in that area, in the hot, humid Midwest. Uh, and both of us grew up in this faith community, um, formerly known as the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, so we have a heritage there, um, and that's where we met, is at church. Uh, we have two adult children, a daughter and a son, and we are fortunate that both of them uh, live in the Denver area as well, along with their spouses. And uh, the benefit of that is that our two grandchildren then live nearby in the Denver area, and we also are expecting one, a third one in the next few weeks, actually. So we're we're excited, very excited. Uh, about that possibility. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about where I am right now. And prior to working full-time for the church, uh, my profession was as a, a petroleum engineer. And fortunately, very few people hold that against me. But <laughs> I certainly understand the dynamics of, uh, you know, Houston, certainly, uh, <laughs> the, you know, one of the oil capitals of the U.S. Yeah. Uh, and, and certainly as I travel in West Texas, it, it uh, brings back these memories I don't want to say they're fond memories, but bring back <laughs> memories of oil fields, that's for sure. So that's a little bit about my background. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, we talk about the role you have, and I mean, Umberto and I, we both grew up in this faith, faith community, so that it, come, it goes without saying for us what that means. But if you were to describe how you serve the church, I mean— that is the question. How would you describe how you serve the church in your current role? Yeah, thanks, Jacob. You know, the, the role has shifted um, over the years, certainly. Um, I, I presently serve as a member of the Council of Twelve Apostles, and um, we are the group in Community of Christ that oversees and supports mission and ministry in the 12 fields of our worldwide church. So our church is divided into 12 fields, and each field is uh, led by one of the field apostles, members of the Council of Twelve. And we work in partnership with the field bishops and the presidents of 70, who also are engaged in mission and ministry. And um, our council is held accountable uh, by the First Presidency, which consists of our President Prophet Steve Vesey, and his two counselors, Scott Murphy and Stacy Cram. So that's a little bit about the organization of of how um, you know the leadership of our church is organized, and um, you know we we are involved in a lot of uh, specific activities based on our fields. But that's the general feeling of what we do as a council of twelve. Awesome! Very cool. So you know you kind of talked about it already, being that we are a world church. Um, so, you know, we have to ask, what are, what have been the best things about serving the world church? Um, but then, you know, kind of going with it, you got to take the good and the bad. What have been some of the most difficult things about serving the world church? Cause you know, we know you got them, you know, you got them. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. Well, you know, by far what I've enjoyed most in my years of working full-time for the church is that I've had the opportunity to, to travel and meet many, many people, and and the most people that inspire me the most are our core of bivocational leaders and ministers who are actively trying to live out the mission and ministry of Christ in their local context. And, you know, what I mean by bivocational, which isn't a common phrase, but 
These are people that have nine to five or 40, 60 hour a week jobs sometimes, and then they devote time to provide ministry and leadership in our church. And so I've had the opportunity to meet dozens and dozens of these key leaders, and they're just wonderful people that are trying to live out um, the love of Christ in their local areas. Now, you know, you mentioned, Inverto, the worldwide church. In my various assignments, I did have the opportunity uh, to work in um, even outside of the United States in uh, South Central Asia and East Asia, uh, as well as many parts of the United States, primarily west of the Mississippi River. And so this current assignment that I have in the southern part of the U.S. is, is somewhat of a cultural, not shock, but, but an awareness that I may not have had before. But in each of these assignments, I've been able to meet with some pretty amazing people. Now, now, you also mentioned, you know, some of the challenges that that incur as well. Well, not surprisingly, you know, whenever a church um, like ours tries to build and foster healthy communities, uh, you know, um, groups of people, congregations, small groups, we always have personality issues. And um, I would say that's probably the general umbrella of what's what's the most difficult challenge of being a leader in our church and especially when there are occasionally there are some very specific situations of some people uh, making some very poor decisions and that's when church leaders have to be able and willing to kind of step in and help navigate all that but but overall these 27 years have been amazing and um i i, I feel it it's such a blessing for my life very cool I mean, not to make you feel old, but seeing as you have been serving the church longer than Umberto and I have been alive, um, <laughs> where where do you see the church going? I mean, not that's such a generic question. I hate to just drop that, but we talk all the time about like you know, well, church two point and now we're on church three point um, and it's it's a community and really an ecosystem in flux in the United States itself. Like where do you see the future of the church going? Are there general broad themes that you see us moving towards or, or specifically, you know, any instances that, that you have maybe inspired? Well, Jacob, you're absolutely right. You know, um, what, um, Mr. Dorhauer uh, lifted up as the shifting church 3.0. That is something that we as community of Christ are in the middle of trying to navigate. So for me, you know, the future of faith life, and it's not just community of Christ, and it's not only um, in the U.S. It's it's across a broad spectrum of people that identify as Christians and maybe even some other religions that we are having a societal shift away from faith and trust in institutions and denominations and that's very real and and we we can't you know ignore it and and one of the ways that i understand this phenomenon is that we um you know for a variety of reasons um not the least of which is the internet um you know people are moving away uh 
from these denominations and institutions and more towards a tribal mentality. And, and what I mean, what is meant by tribal mentality is this movement, uh, because we live such busy lives and, and only have so much time, you know, that we allocate to different activities, uh, more and more people want to just surround themselves with people who look like them, act like them, think like them, and, and almost begin to have a suspicion of people that are outside of their tribe and, and, or an indifference towards people outside of their tribe. And unfortunately, we see it in the United States a lot in social media, you know, even enmity or being enemies with those that are not part of their tribe. And so that is certainly some of the one of some of the challenges that we have, um, you know, that Jacob, you were describing as, as this movement towards a new way of understanding uh, faith. Um, but for the community of Christ, what I hold faith in is that, um, you know, we've been trying to uphold these principles of why we, we are who we are and how we are who we are. And, and the ones that I that resonate with me in regards to the future of our church is the worth of all persons and the unity that we seek to have unity in diversity. And we seek to find ways to have blessing in being community, not a tribe, but being community. And, and I, you know, one of the challenges that we have as a faith movement that upholds this is, you know, this is counter to what we're seeing in a growing culture around us and what so many people experience in their day-to-day -day lives. And so um, our present church leadership is wanting to explore what that means for us in the future and are very hesitant in drawing lines in the sand of saying, well, you're inside our circle or you're outside our circle. And as you can imagine, this is not an easy thing to do when we, you know, when we engage in trying to enliven faith in, in the lives of our people that participate as well as our communities as, at large. So that's a big part of where I see our challenge um, and our opportunity in, uh, moving into the future. Um, and, and I'll give you a couple of examples of how we are trying to do that. You know, as recently as 30 years ago, the people that serve in my role, members of the Council of 12, were primarily white male Midwesterners. I wouldn't even say primarily, and I'd say almost exclusively. <laughs> almost, ex yeah, and before that is exclusively, yeah. right? So since that mid to late 80s, we've, we've slowly kind of transitioned. You're absolutely right if you've been you know, a, a part of our movement uh, for the last 30 years, 20, well, for you, I guess 25 years or so, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, but I think both of your families grew up in, yeah. in this faith community. Um, but now what's exciting to me is the Council of 12 is made up of people that live in Zambia, people that live in Wales, people that live in French Polynesia. We have a member who lives in Honduras and one that lives in Dominican Republic as well as people that live in the United States. And, and we certainly are not all white male Midwesterners anymore. So I, I see that a bit as, as a positive uh, example of how we as Community of Christ are trying to move forward into this future. I mean, not to get on my soapbox here, but like you, you touched to a point that 
that resonates with me when we talk about being in, in community and the blessings associated with that and it being counter to what we see around us, not even like just in general, specifically in Christianity, I feel that we see a great pull towards tribalism as far as, well, I'm Christian and you're not, um, which, I mean, we can go down this path later, I guess, but it baffles the mind, my mind at least, for somebody who claims to follow Jesus to be excluding people. Um, just a phenomenal oblivious to anything he ever said. But uh, before we spend the next three and a half days on that, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll flip to you. Yeah, no worries. You know, Dave, we sent you an outline of a couple of questions we had thought of, but now we're going to be catching you on your feet. No time to prepare. No, 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 just joking. But, <laughs> you know, you mentioned something that, that sparked a chord in me as well. You know, you've talked about the change of just the office of apostle in our church, you know, and, and even when Jacob and I were growing up, I could never imagine a situation like this where two, you know, low, low, lowly co-pastors who are working in the field, <laughs> talking to an apostle in, in such a freeform way, you know, what has that been like, uh, that transition, you know, I, has it been scary? Has it been fun, uplifting, kind of somewhere in between, you know, how has that been, uh, a kind of that shift uh, from, you know, you never look at the 12, you know, you look, never look on high versus, hey, we are here to help. We are here. We're with you. That type of mindset. Well, for me, I think a lot of, of what, you you know, um, you're pointing to in this question of this transition of, of e-leadership in, in an institution like Community of Christ. Um, like, like many areas, the people define the position as much as the position defines the person. And so over the last 30 years, uh, particularly the last 30 years, um, you know, the individuals that have moved into this Council of 12 role and even in the presidency role in many situations are, are not ones that um, uh, have this va high value of position, of status. And, and I would venture to say that this, hasn't, this isn't a new phenomenon, you know, um, uh, I, I hear stories of, uh, you know, Wallace B. Smith washing dishes at a reunion and even some of his, you know, predecessors doing similar kinds of things. So this isn't brand new, um, but I think in the last several decades, we have intentionally shifted an understanding of what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a minister with leadership responsibilities. And so more and more, I think we're finding um, th this dynamic of, of it's not, yes, there are, there are roles and there are positions and there are responsibilities, but at the very core is our humanity and our willingness to live uh, in the footsteps of Jesus, who was this poor itinerant preacher <laughs> in the Middle Eastern you know, Palestine, who was, who were conquered by the Romans, and yet his message was so powerful that millions of people throughout the years in various forms have tried to emulate the life ministry and life and ministry of Jesus. So I think that's my understanding of this dynamic that many of us are understanding. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful because um, my daughter, who's a little bit older than both of you, you can't even imagine a church that doesn't ordain women. She, she, 
it's my it's mind-boggling to her that a church a christian church would prevent women from being ordained and and i just celebrate that because it really hasn't been that long ago you know 35 years ago or so well i guess it's coming closer to 40 years now but i, I think it's wonderful that we are willing to to move into god's future um, with better understandings, new understandings, it, to, it gets to the point where uh, probably both of you as well grew up in a in yeah. an environment where you said, "Why wouldn't women be ordained?" And yet, that was certainly part of my uh, childhood. Um, you know, I had four older sisters, and who's the one that gets ordained? The young brother. And I always thought something is not right with this, you know. Uh, and I was so I was glad that we made that shift a few years later. Yeah, definitely. Wow, so many awesome. That points. is a good point. Like the paradigm shift. It, I mean, it does just doesn't exist for Umberto and I. We're living in a church where women are not priesthood members. Like I can't even fathom that. Yeah. Not not can't fathom it. I can't even even picture that in the current current. I mean. I, it's just, yeah. I couldn't yeah, imagine. It seem the, real. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine our church doing half the amazing things we do without that important leadership. And yes, there's three dudes on this call and, and not a great representation of that, but you know, I, I, I you know, I, I mentioned that on Sunday that, you know, for me growing up in the church, that was always something that I was so proud of that, that all my other friends didn't go to churches that had that amazing diverse leadership. Um, and having female leaders in my life, all my life, I think has greatly shaped how I look at the world, how I look at social justice. Um, and yeah, I, kudos to the church for having the strength to do that. Um, so yeah, awesome. And, and I think that's part of the community of Christ challenge is to help um, our society reframe an understanding of faith, because even today, the largest denominations including the Catholic Church, but even beyond, still don't ordain women in key leadership ministerial roles. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, our role isn't to wag our fingers at them and say, hey, you're, you know, you're somehow out of the circle, but, but yeah. to just lift up the reality that a, a God who loves all and calls all people, you know, are being called in their different aspects of life, um, that we can help shape that that conversation in our communities. Yeah, I mean, we talk about breaking down barriers. I think that's certainly something I'm proud of, right, as far as, as what we've done, a representation of how we see and value those who, are, who, are, who we feel God is calling. Yeah, one of the things that I really appreciate about our present um, prophet president, Steve Easy, is He's really used the phrase, what matters most? Are we focusing on what matters most? And I think that's a wonderful way to understand um, how uh, we as a movement and how we as individuals can understand faith life is what is at the core of being a follower of, of Jesus. And uh, I think that's a good um, measuring test in all the the. Um, lines in the sand that we either consciously or subconsciously want to draw. And uh, I, I celebrate that. And I, I hope that I can, as I get older and older, <laughs> that I'll be able to continue to, to acknowledge and, and value that, that journey. 
Awesome. Well, Bert, I'm I'm out of serious questions. So if you have any any other serious questions, it's you you go for it. No, you go. Last last question that we actually planned for. <laughs> okay. I'll throw on the music in the background. This will be funny when you listen to it. All right, Dave. As you as we have mentioned, uh, not necessarily in the nicest way, uh, you have a long history of ministry in the church. Uh, tell us your best ministry for dummies moment, whether that's like a funny story or a lesson you had to learn the hard way. Well, um, you know, if the saying is true, uh, we learn best from our mistakes. My goodness, I should be a pretty smart guy by now, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> I, I still have lots of learning opportunities, and and um, and most of the ones you know that I think of are 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 fairly small little oops kind of things, and I have you know lots of those. But one that the a general theme that I think. It is very important to me to learn and lesson that I continue to learn uh, is is that, um, you know, fostering good relationships is 90% of the message that we, we share as ministers. And and I'm reminded constantly of that quote by Maya Angelou, you know, who says something to the effect of what's, what people remember the most is how you made them feel, not necessarily what you did or what you said, but how you made them feel? What was that relationship? So in my time of ministry, uh, you know, I, I can remember going out to visiting places and I had my message prepared and uh, and I was going to share that regardless of who was or who wasn't there. And so, you know, th- that was a learning experience. And after a couple of times when I show up at a congregation and uh, there were six people present, and the six people included the presider, the person playing the piano, and the deacon who was in the back, <laughs> and, and myself. And so I found myself trying to share this message that I've prepared for two people sitting in the pew. I said, something does not feel right here. You know, <laughs> this isn't doing anybody any good. <laughs> you know, so so what do we do here? And, and so for me, that, that was a that's an ongoing lesson of, of understanding what's most important and how do we foster relationships. So, so uh, from that, those experiences that I had early on in my working full-time for the church, um, I now use the dozen rule. So if I show up at some place and there are a dozen people or less, regardless of what I've prepared, I just pause and, and say, hey, let's, get in, let's have a conversation and dialogue about you know uh, what God is doing in your life and you know where we feel a sense of call and and just build relationships with people um, and and here again as I said I'm a slow learner so you know understanding the the context of where I am um, is is always important and sometimes it goes the other direction too um, understanding the context I can remember being in a small village in India and and you know everything is through translation. And uh, I can remember saying something about a building possibility and the people started cheering. <laughs> and the person I was traveling with leaned over and said, Dave, I think you just agreed to build him a new building. <laughs> <And> I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, so it, 
you just have to be aware of the context of where we are sometimes makes all the difference in the world and certainly that same evening with that village that we were in they said well we want to have a worship service and and uh, so we had a worship service and they invited me to share a message um, so in that instance I did share a message that I didn't even prepare for and in a matter of an hour and a half we had 200 people fill a small little room um, and they were sitting on the floor next right next to each other and that's another you know lesson that that understanding the context and the people that that I'm with makes all the difference in the world and and I there are just a lot of small little learning opportunities that I've had over the years to remind me of um, of that reality and that that call and that truth. Wow, awesome, awesome stuff. Well, Dave, we don't just have our questions we have prepared. We reached out to some of our dear listeners, um, and they came forward with some questions that they would like to ask for you. Um, listeners, if you have questions that you would like to submit to us, uh, please do it at ministryfordummies.org. Uh, um, I will say the majority of these questions were texted to me because I didn't want them on the form, uh, which I absolutely love. Um, so I'm just going to go down them. And please, Dave, um, uh, feel free to share um, anything that you would like to. Uh, the first question um, that we've kind of talked about, but I'd love to hear your reaction to it, is just simply, why are you a Christian? Well, for me, being a Christian, uh, and, and, you know, that that's... In today's world, that's such a loaded question because a lot of people have images of what Christians are about, which is unfortunate. But yeah. for me, being a Christian means that I find value in in the story and the, of the life, the ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Whether people take that very um, um, literally or metaphorically, for me, it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is this wonderful way of understanding God through the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of this Jesus, who later on, the people that followed him described him as being God, just being having the very nature of God. And, and the more I understand of what that means and what that looks like, of being humble, of being willing to give of myself to others as being a key attribute um, of, of, of calling upon um, something beyond himself, you know, who, who in the story in the gospels is described as him praying to Abba, praying to something beyond himself to say, this is tough. This is difficult. You know, help, help me get through this, this, whole understanding of relationship with God, self, and the people that he was with is a wonderful um, symbol and example and truth for me that I want to incorporate in my life. And for me, I describe that as being a Jesus follower or for me being a Christian, because I find such beauty in that way of understanding life. And it gives me hope in, in times when, um, wow, you know, pay any attention with what's going on around the world sometimes, it can, it can feel pretty negative. But for me, the, the message of Jesus is one of hope and one that ultimately love and peace will prevail. So that, that's, in essence, why I continue 
identify as a Christian and one who follows Jesus. That must be the best, the best concise way I've ever heard that described. Because oh, I like, totally that's pretty, agree that's with pretty that. Great. Yeah, that, maybe we'll clip that. We yeah, will actually. Well, I definitely clip that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, our next question that uh, someone had asked for us is, uh, Dave, what is your favorite part of Community of Christ? My favorite part of Community of Christ. Well, you know, I, I had mentioned that one of the things I find as a blessing is meeting. Um, a whole range of, of people um, in all throughout the world. Um, now, would I describe that as uh, as a favorite part of community of Christ? In some ways, I think I would, because I'm, you know, if I were not a full time minister in community of Christ, would I still participate with this faith movement? Absolutely. Uh, even though you know my my life would be lived out in my local congregation, um, I think the best. And it's not necessarily even going to world conference, you know, where you see physically see people from all over the world there in, in that one space. Um, but for me, um, what I like probably best about Community of Christ is our consistent desire to celebrate cultures, celebrate languages, celebrate perspectives, and grow into that. Uh, awareness, even though, and, and recognizing that we're not there yet. And, and you know, that's one of the criticisms of, of modern day, you know, quote unquote Christians is that they have all the answers, they, they have all the judgment. And, and we as community of Christ have almost always kind of avoided that conversation in so many ways. And, and I see that even more so coming to, to reality in today's church. And, and that's one of the reasons why we struggle with numerical growth, because so many people say, oh, my gosh, you mean I have to accept other people's tribes? And, you know, that, that can be challenging, right? And, and particularly in today's world, uh, political world in the U.S. of blue and red. And, oh, my gosh, so many of the people that I know, you're either red or you're blue, you know, and, and I'm thinking, wow. That can't be the primary way we understand one another. And for us, it's community of Christ. Uh, we intentionally try to try to um, expand our uh, willingness to lower the ba barriers of separation. And so for me, that that is something I really value in our uh, movement. Most definitely. You know, Dave, you mentioned World Conference, and this is why I have to ask this question, because I absolutely love it. Uh, the person who sent me this uh, wanted me to say, at World Conference uh, this this year, or this past World Conference, there was more music and dancing than I have ever seen before. Who is the best dancer of the Council of Twelve? <laughs> who can truly oh, bust a move out of the Apostles? no question that Bunda Chibwe I was gonna is be the my best vote. dancer. Yeah. It had to be Bunda. Yeah, it's not really well. Yeah, I I don't think it's really that close. Yeah, Boone is based off what I've witnessed oh my with my own two eyes. Yeah, you, you know, we start singing in council of twelve meetings, and Boone stands up and starts dancing, and uh, and and he encourages all the rest of us. So he and he takes videos of us trying to dance. How embarrassing, you know? And <laughs> and, and I watch Boone, and oh my gosh, they're they're yeah, he's by far the best dancer um although you know 
I have yet to see Angela Ramirez dance yet. So so maybe maybe she may be a dark horse contender woman, there. But... Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Angela, you've been you. Dave is is laying it out there. Come on now. It's time for some dethroning. Time, time to take it. some tango <laughs> lessons. <laughs> I love. <it. laughs> Oh my gosh. No, when I got that question, I was like, yes, we're definitely including that to the podcast. <laughs> well, well, awesome. You know, Dave, we have so appreciated just getting to know you a little bit more, getting to spend this time with you. Um, it has been a true pleasure getting to hear about not just the Council of Twelve, but you as a disciple who is on that journey. Um, that is one thing we talk about all the time here, of uh, each of us being on that journey. Um, Jacob, is there anything else that you would like to ask or, no, or I mean, share with Dave? To your point, Berto, right? I mean, this this podcast, when we first came up with the idea, was all about um, discussing our journey because it is constantly evolving and we don't really know where it's going most of the time. So uh, it's, it's great to have these conversations. And thank you again, Dave, for joining us um, just to talk and, you know, offer some insight and perspective on, you know, what, what the larger faith movement is outside of just, you know, our two stories. Um, so we, we really appreciate you coming on and, um, and I think that's all I've got, Berto. Well, thanks so much to both of you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast and your ongoing conversation. And, and I think, I think it's wonderful, you know, that, that conversation is, um, part of how both of you, as well as so many other people, see as important for our journey ahead. So um, th that's exciting for me. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this journey. This podcast is made possible by listeners and disciples of Christ and by the members of the community of Christ. Without you, we would not be here. If you have any ideas or questions about the podcast, let us know. As Umberto mentioned, you know, we have a Q&A form on our website, ministryfordummies.org. So please let us know and we will see you on the journey.